feminist friends and welcome to Real Feminism, the podcast where we discuss films from an intersectional perspective. Today I have with me wonderful Hedrick. Hello. <laughs> and the lovely Gina. Hello. And I'm your host Joe. And today we are discussing Midsommar, or as they say in Sweden. Midsommar. Ah, oh, okay. That was... Basically the same. (laughs) So this is a film that was released last year in 2019 and was directed by Ari Aster, who did Hereditary, which I haven't seen. I have seen that. It seemed intense for me. It is very intense. It is intense. (laughs) Yeah, that Hereditary is scary in another way, Mm. which Midsummer is not, I would say. Mm. Like, it still has sort of the freak elements of Midsummer, but, like, on another level of scariness. So I did have a look at, like, writers, producers, cinematographer, and very much it was a majority male background group of people working on this film there were about 20 producers and two two of them I think were women but I haven't bothered to write their names down because there were so many producers and they were so far down the list that it kind of seemed he's quite young isn't he Ariasta is he 34 that is quite young actually yeah yeah so Hereditary was his first feature film in 2018 so but yeah they're both very different I'd say Mm. but still has some similarities yeah some like moments where you're sitting there thinking what Mm -hmm. on earth is going on like as we're probably going to talk about it so much of this film (laughs) as I just thought afterwards I thought how did someone like come up with this ahead because obviously he's written he's written it all as well yeah yeah. just like thinking this all up (laughs) in your head so good but I think but with both his films like they have this element of surrealism like mm-hmm. that's uh, and I find that's all I struggled a bit like analyzing this film because mm. it is so surreal and everything is sort of pretend and it's this mm. like imaginary world mm. where there's like no rules really like society's mm-hmm. rules doesn't really play in so I try to look at it from like you know the normal world mm. uh, um which is like you know the pre-Sweden part, and then like the surreal world, which is like the Sweden part. Right. Okay. Yeah. When they get to the commune and yeah, exactly southward. So Midsummer is a film about a group of American students who decide they're going to go to this commune in Sweden. They've been invited by their Swedish friend. So this group of American students go to this commune in the north of Sweden and celebrate Midsommar. And they think it's just going to be this lovely nine-day celebration of cultural enrichment and lots of weird stuff happens to them, (laughs) including lots of death. I think Danny is the only one who makes it out alive, other than Pele. And I guess Midsummer, uh, Midsummer as a tradition is like usually seen in Sweden as just like a fun holiday. But I guess it originates from the pagan traditions of like celebrating fertility and mm-hmm. celebrating oh. sort of, you know, the maypole. That's, a pole, yeah. that's like a phallic symbol, obviously, to sort of oh. um, sim- symbolize fertility. And the women are dancing around the penis, basically. <laughs> But also, like, if you had a good season, you sort of take everything you sort of produce from the from the earth and you eat it and have a big party, basically. Was there a lot of truth in some of the things they were doing then? Definitely. Like, I think that is also interesting with one of the things that I could think of, uh, which I would have heard when I was a kid, is the etta you know, where they throw them off the cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess this is a spoiler for anyone who listening. But anyway. <laughs> People die in horrible ways. people die in horrible ways yeah but there's this scene where uh i guess they sacrifice two of the elderly people to their customs they've reached their um final age which which Mm. is i guess 72 so they throw them off a cliff so they die they basically take yeah fall off a cliff that is something i heard when i was a kid uh like someone would say you should throw them from the at the stupa or something like that it's like I don't know where it comes from if it's like an actual thing that used to happen in like the Mm. like in the olden like pagan days or if it's just comes from like you know a saying or something my um Swedish friend Sandra was saying something similar yesterday that it's kind of just almost a myth I guess 
mythical legend yeah. that people just talk about. And do you get some of the in Sweden, like where it just doesn't get dark? Yeah, it's beautiful. I think that's like the one of the best things about the film is that it's just it's so confusing because mm. horror films you're so used to like it being dark and that being part of the scariness and. Mm-hmm. I think that's like one of the best things about it is that it's all like in broad daylight, the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think that adds a really interesting uh, perspective yeah. to the narrative as well, because you don't know like how many days have passed. You don't know like yeah. the passing of time. It's just mm-hmm. like an endless day of weird things yeah. happening. Mm-hmm. Do, is it normally celebrated over nine days or is it like a one day? No, midsummer. Uh, midsummer is just one day. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and you basically dance around the maple, and you eat pickled herring, and you drink schnapps, uh, and just get shit faced, and probably sleep with a random person. <laughs> nice. So kind of like Oktoberfest, but with added dancing and fish. Exactly. <laughs> nice. Okay. So that's Midsummer, and in terms of the characters that we have to talk about, we have Danny who is one of the Americans who's come over to the commune. Her boyfriend is Christian. We're definitely going to talk a lot about him because he's awful. She is sort of the main character. She's the only one who survives at the end. We also have Connie, who is also an intersectional character. I believe the actress is of Indian heritage. So she's come over with her boyfriend, Simon, who I think the actor's half Nigerian. Yeah. I had a little look. So he's also, he's mixed race. And then we have Josh, who I can't oh, for the life of me think of the actor's name, but he plays Chidi in The Good Place. And I was so yeah. excited when I heard his voice and saw his face on the screen. I was like, Chidi. So we have him to talk about in the intersectional. His name is William Jackson Harper. Thank you very much, Gina. <laughs> and then we also have all of the women at the commune, and there are actually a shit ton of women in comparison yeah. to the some of the other films we've looked at. They all look the same, though. They do. similar. <laughs> The only other one I wrote down was Maya, the red-headed lady, because she plays quite a big role in the film. Yeah, I wanted to ask about Sweden as well. Is is Sweden very white? Yeah, I guess it depends on where in Sweden you are. Yeah. I guess in the countryside, I would say predominantly white. Yeah. So those are the people we have to talk about. And before we sort of get into more of an in-depth discussion about the film, I've written down that the film does pass the female Bechdel test and several times as well it was really nice that it wasn't just like a one-time thing there are a few moments like in the pie making scene the may queen scene and there are a couple of other bits throughout the film where i i wasn't sure if the female characters were names because a lot of them are names on imdb Mm -hmm. so that was good that it passed i think that's the first one so far that has. I struggle with that though because trying to figure out if it passes or not because it also is a film with not that much dialogue like mm. a lot of it is, is very visual but I guess the interaction they have both like physical could also be sort of interpreted as mm. an, an interaction or communicating I guess. Well I think Danny talks to there's one Swedish lady who sort of takes her under her wing in like the pie making yeah. and also mm. in the maypole and it's like oh this is what you need to do so I'm assuming she is named on IMDb because one of the criteria is the character has to be named. She speaks to Connie a bit as well but to, to pass it do they have to be on the screen alone? No so to pass it they just have to be two f- named female characters they have to talk to each other and it has to be about something other than a man. But it doesn't just have to be them in the in the frame? No, no it could be like them in a big group and they just say oh could you pass me some water and that would be it they'd pass. And it's bleak isn't it? But I know. So many films don't. I know. When all you need to do is like, hey, could I hey, get can past? You pass the salt? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the race Bechdel test is um, very similar, but instead it's two characters who aren't white that are named who talk to each other about something other than a white character. And they're, I think the main scenes you see are with Simon and Connie when they're talking to each other. Yeah, um, true. So it gets the pass for that as well which is lovely. I was thinking about Hereditary before and that's also like, that's not a very diverse film at all. Yeah. I was trying to compare it. The other thing that actually I didn't write down in the intersectional characters and I should is Ruben because he's yeah. a disabled character. So I wrote him down as well. The deliberate product of an inbreeding. But I thought this was interesting as well because in Hereditary, the, the main character is disabled, like, or one of the main characters mm. are, is disabled. And I thought that was interesting as well that he's like mm. chosen to feature a disabled character in both yeah. of the films. Also in Hereditary, like, that 
character has a very sort of um, almost like a main role and is also portrayed not I guess in a stereotypical way as a disabled person would be portrayed like she's mm. portrayed as sort of um, I guess undiscovered genius in a way mm. uh, and I feel the same with Ruben like he's their like oracle and he's like yeah. supposed to be I guess like the smartest person in the commune he's supposed to be like the one who gets these visions and like write them mm. down and like basically foresees their future so I think that's mm. also like an interesting take on mm. having a disabled person in the cast and also both of the films is the main characters are women as well yes yeah I did wonder whether it was maybe a trope in not just films but maybe literature that when there is a disabled character they're seen their difference is seen as being making them this kind of special person I because they were saying oh he's unclouded by normal cognition Mm. because he's got this disability and I wondered whether this idea of like disabled people being some kind of Um, oracle whether that's something that comes up a lot but I didn't research that so (laughs) unconfirmed (laughs) I don't know (laughs) I was just wondering because um it's it's hard because I haven't seen a lot of disability on screen and I think that's because there isn't a lot of it but I was just wondering in maybe historically as well that either that person is shunned or they're elevated in the community as some kind of special I don't know. Future me. Do some research on this and <laughs> figure it out. Maybe for when we do hereditary, I can then be like, aha, I know what I'm talking about now. Mm-hmm. We're meant to be discussing not white male characters on this podcast, but I have so many things to say about the boyfriend. And I think the boys in general, like, oh, the boys. we had quite, an, me and my flatmate had an interesting conversation about this. Like, I think it's intentional that like, they're all so, mm. it's like, because it's a woman lead. But she's surrounded by this group of like completely underwhelming men that hold yeah. down. And I don't know if that's like on purpose. To... I think it's definitely on purpose. Yeah, that you're not meant to like them. Like yeah. they're all mm. they're all awful. Like, yeah. All of the yeah. friends apart from Pele, like and then he ends up being in this <laughs> I don't want to call it a cult, but like in this thing. Um, mm. but they're all like awful (laughs) all of them yeah by doing them awful as well I think that sort of justifies killing them off like you know you're like (laughs) oh no well never mind exactly you're like okay great but I did like that the film ends on a shot of Danny like grinning oh my god that's my favorite image I think yeah after choosing Christian to be sacrificed over like a random person in the commune who she doesn't know and I quite like that she's able to choose her own destiny in yeah. that way. And whilst I don't think their relationship is traditionally abusive, there was a lot in there where she apologizes for a lot of the bad behavior that he has. Mm. And but I feel he, like he's gaslighting her a lot. Oh, like, yeah. 100%. It's like, yeah. I think I found that when I was trying to make notes about like stereotypes and stuff like that, I think mm. she's is the annoying clingy girlfriend that's like holding her boyfriend back and like all the boyfriend's friends find her a bit annoying. Yeah. But it, mm. it, I guess it's not really a stereotype because it was it was used to, to serve a purpose in the story of that she like in the end is the only one that like survives. So it was for me before like any of the murder stuff happened, I, I felt so uncomfortable yeah. for her and I was like, no. oh God, her boyfriend isn't really supporting her and so she's lost like her sister and her oh my god he's literally a piece of shit like (laughs) so horrible like he obviously was gonna break up with her wasn't he and then okay how long did you guys think they were dating before it was announced how long they were dating three months because there's a bit where like his friend Mark I think it's like he'd been wanting out of this relationship for a year so I was like okay well I guess I've been like dating for a year and then in the film when Danny's like oh we've been together for four years I was like (gasps) what I know four years and you've forgotten her birthday and you're not supporting her in any way and there's no there was no like connection between the two of them and like feeling of companionship and togetherness and nothing he was going to go to Sweden like not that long after her family died. like Not even telling her. Yeah. Because Lee and I had a big chat up. Well, not a big chat after that, but I was like, it's <laughs> interesting because I, I would feel the same way as her if I was with a group of your friends and found out you were going on a trip and I didn't know. I'd feel really hurt, not because you need to ask me for permission to do things, but because we talk and we share our life and it's quite a big thing to go away on a trip and for you to not have said oh my friends and I are planning a trip it's going to be so cool we're going to go to this commune and Pele's planned a whole thing I'd 
be really hurt. Just not even be like, I'm excited or... Yeah, he obviously didn't want her to go to the party where she found that out either because he was like, oh, you can stay and sleep. I'm just going, are you sure you don't need more sleep? It felt like he didn't want her there. And then, yeah, when they got home, she was like, oh, what was that about? <laughs> you you never told me. And then, yeah, she just ended up apologising and saying, I think I wrote down what she said. But yeah, she was saying that was really weird. And Christine's like, well, what do you mean? I only found out today. She was like, we've booked tickets. And he was like, well, what do you want me to say? I told you I wanted to go to Sweden. I just apologised, Danny. And then she's like, well, then I'm sorry. I just got confused. I was like, Danny. That was so sad. So, honey, it's okay. It's not your fault. He's he's lied to you. And now he's lying to you about all of this. Yeah. And it's not. And I think that also exaggerates like, or highlights her extremely vulnerable position. Yeah. Because he's yeah. literally the only person in the world that she feels that she can trust the tiniest bit. And that she seeks comfort in and like he doesn't even can't even give that to her and that just Mm. it just breaks your heart it's so sad and his reaction when she at the start of the film when she calls him and is sort of saying like oh you know my sister's suicidal and he's basically saying you're letting her do this it's she's attention seeking you're letting her get away with it i was like oh oh this is not a good guy at all oh lord no so horrible i get there's an element of we obviously don't know how long this has been going on with the sister and whether it's but even so it's you should take every every time someone is saying they're suicidal you you need to take that seriously every time and the idea that it's danny's fault and you're letting her do this and you're letting her get away with this behavior is so it was really hard like Mm. that was the second time i watched it and it's just really sad because she just seems like just a good person yeah yeah she does just seem like like a nice seems like really lovely Mm -hmm. it made me so angry and her when she was on the phone to her friend afterwards and she was saying like what if i've overwhelmed him what if i'm too much for him i often feel very similarly with my own mental health and partners that i'm too much and it's too intense and to see her feeling that way after the way like he reacted to her sister and her friend was like well then if you are too much for him, he's not good for you and you don't want him. And I was like, yes, Daddy's I just wanted to shout, dump him. <laughs> Leave him. <laughs> and his friend Mark, oh, when, God. when he was like, oh, you can find a chick who actually likes sex. He was a really um, good actor though. Like it's, it's, yeah. a skill to, it's a skill, and both of them are, to be honest, it's a skill to make someone, play someone that like, you just hate <laughs> but yeah. everything mark said i was just like oh i roll just like a blokey bloke wasn't he yeah and i think well the swedish women you could impregnate it's like what oh, gag oh. gross no horrible horrible yeah. one of the things i didn't understand was when christian said to his friends i've invited danny to come to sweden but don't worry She's not going to come. And it's never explained why. Because her friends question him and he's like, well, she says she's coming, but she won't come. I was like, what do you, what do you mean? What's, I don't understand. She said she's coming. Why would you? Yeah, I think it's also, that is also a reflection of what a weak character he is. Because he mm. can't, he can't stand up for his, like he can't stand up against his friends or mm-hmm. and he can't stand up against her. Like he, he's just, in, he's just such a middle guy, like just in the middle yeah. of and so afraid of like conflict or like stirring anything up. Mm. And so I think that was his way of like smoothing things over just the same way as when he sort of approached the thing with Sweden with Danny, when he was mm. just like, yeah, I was going to tell you about it. Blah, blah, blah. He was just trying to smooth it over. And I think it was the same thing when he told his friends, like just to try mm. to tell it in a subtle, like smooth way, but it just came out really weird and random like why would you invite someone yeah because i think again if i were in that situation i'd say to my friends like look my partner's having a really shit time i don't feel comfortable leaving them for two weeks they're grieving is it all right if they come i know it was just going to be us girls rather than being like okay guys so i've invited lee all pretend that you knew (laughs) and that you were in on it he's not going to come but i've invited him but don't worry he's not going to come and also he's here hi <laughs> oh by the way he also said yes but he's not going to come <laughs> yeah he said yes but don't worry he's not coming and here he is 
at the door and now I'm going to leave the room because my friend has asked me to check on a paragraph and that has to be done in private and yeah but I, th- I was thinking about like how they how these male characters are portrayed especially this group of guys mm. and like how how they want the viewer to view them and obviously they want you to think they're like shitheads like they want mm. you to think they're like insanely bad people and um, maybe except for josh or i guess he's like neutral because he doesn't really say anything like but he doesn't talk to danny or like make an effort with her he no he's just exactly like... yeah i the bit where pele says to her like i am so glad you're coming before i knew any of the stuff that was going to happen at the commune i was like he's not glad because he's a nice man and wants you to have a lovely time he's glad for some kind of sinister reason that he's like <laughs> do you think when yeah do you think when he said that that he had already planned out like saw her mm. as the may queen and all this mm. like yeah quite possibly i mean I guess he had some kind... I don't know whether he did have a thing for her. I know he kisses her in the film, but... But he also, like, you make, you know, makes her a drawing and then he, like, puts his yeah. hand on hers and she's like, you know, Christian can come in or whatever. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's fine. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that was a weird dynamic. I didn't really get it. Because he was talking to her a lot about family as well and I was wondering with that, that he was trying to, like, draw her into the commune mm. and be like, you need a proper family and that the commune could be that for her. Yeah, that's basically it at the end, isn't it? When she's smiling, it's like a family family. And there were quite a few shots where you saw her with all of the people from the commune and then Christian on his own stood, like, mm-hmm. her moving away yeah. from him. And I wondered whether that was showing, like, she's mm. moving away from him and everything that he stands for or not. And she's moving into this new life of this family who will grieve with her and look after her and exactly. support her. I was also thinking about that when Pele said that, yeah, we're like a, we're like a family. Like, uh, yeah, you're looking for a home. You can come, like, basically sort of, I guess, hinting that she could have a home in the commune. But then I was also, like, thinking about, you know, what they said about, like, um, we bring people in to make sure, like, siblings doesn't have children mm. oh, yeah. basically so I was like thinking about that as well like they need people from the outside to like come into the commune mm. so it was probably mm. for that reason rather than mm. like him caring for her and actually wanting in, mm. wanting her to be in that environment I wonder whether because he obviously knew about her parents and he sort of says oh I'm the same I lost my parents too I wonder whether he also sensed that vulnerability in her of like she's got no one now she's mm. also she's like easier prey to get in the commune yeah, yeah. the other bit that made me feel very uncomfortable near the start of the film was the drug taking scene where Danny's like oh I'd like to get settled and although it's Mark who sort of says like we can't take it at different times it won't make sense we'll come up at different times and I was like I, I don't know what that problem is but anyway I really didn't like the way that Christian was like oh no it's fine I'm gonna wait for Danny because he was kind of yeah. placing Danny as the one who's not being fun and- yeah and then when she's just like I'll just do it I'm like no Please. I know. And she was like, oh no, it's okay, it's fine, it's fine. I was like, it's not fine, you're being pressured into taking these and you're grieving. Such a vulnerable people pleaser, it makes me so sad. So yeah. sad. Yeah, and I guess a more appropriate answer from him would be like, we are going to wait. Like, you guys go ahead, we are going to wait. And then he would also take the blame for being like the boring one or whatever. Yeah. He'd be like, oh no, actually, like we're tired and I think we're just going to wait for later but yeah because there was that bit of silence where everyone's kind of basically waiting for her to say oh it's fine I'll just take them which is what happens there's no kind of support for him in that moment where he's like no we're not taking them Mark shut up go away yeah this is a bit random but I did notice that when they reached the commune Danny's the only one who said thank you in Swedish when they were given those strawberries and I also noticed that she tried with his friends to kind of talk to them when they were all sat around together which is how they ended up she ended up talking to Pele Mm. and there was a lot from her where it seems like she was trying to make much more of an effort with the people around her than any of the boys were like she seemed a lot more respectful whereas he obviously had Mark doing a wee on the tree yeah definitely yeah definitely I feel like she was she was more sort of uh, intrigued by the thing and wanted to emerge herself in it and wanted to experience it Mm. I think for her as well like coming from her traumatic uh, experience 
I think mm-hmm. it was also a way for her to sort of uh, maybe find a way to sort of cure that trauma and like maybe seeking answers in people and maybe looking around. And that made her also a bit more open to like this experience. Whilst I feel like the boys, they were just there as observers, but not, mm-hmm. not to partake. And also, I guess, to maybe exploit that a bit and just like what like writing their mm. thesis on the whole thing like do drugs and do drugs yeah mm. exactly and i think it's also interesting because this could be applied to any kind of culture where obviously now it was a very white commune and very privileged people yeah. but i guess if you if you put it in like a different setting i think mm. it would be like the same thing where like white people go into a culture where they don't understand mm. and they don't actually take part of it but they sort of exploit it and uh, just observe it from like a sort of almost predator perspective i guess mm. well it's christian i think christian says i can't remember what the ceremony was called when they jump off the cliff he's like it's no they they probably think it's disgusting that we put people in nursing homes. I'm like, yeah, that actually yeah. is a good point. Mm. Yeah, although I did, because I think, yeah, when Christine goes, finally goes to see if Danny is all right, and she's like, are you not disturbed by what we've just seen? Bearing in mind, like, she's just experienced a huge yeah. loss, and he's like, yeah, but I'm trying to keep an open mind. I was like, maybe this isn't the time to talk to her about that. Like, because the, the boys also make a few comments. I think Mark makes a few comments about the food being disgusting. Mm. And yeah, it felt like if they were like visiting like a tribe in Africa or a shanty mm. town in Brazil or that kind of exhibitionists. Well, they're all just doing um, the thesis on it as well. And Josh takes the photo. Of, yes, of disrespects the, of the like their boundaries. And Although Christian, at the start, has no idea what his thesis is. He doesn't care. And then when they get to the commune, he speaks to Josh and is like, I'm going to do what you're doing. Um, I was just like, you can't. Like what? And obviously Josh trashy. is like, yeah, yeah, very trashy. <laughs> Josh is like, but I really care about this. Like, this isn't just doing this thing for uni like this is what I want to do I'm really passionate about this and Christian's like yeah well whatever I don't care and you could kind of tell that it's a piece of shit what we've learned about Christian is he's not a good boyfriend he's not a good friend and not only does he try and steal Josh's thesis idea when Josh goes missing and it turns out there, the sort of sacred book goes missing. And Christian's like... He's like, we don't even know him. Uh, just we, we don't associate as friends of his. And I was like, what? You, what? You can't do that. Just be like, yeah, we're friends. But and that, I think Danny looks, Danny looks at him like, the fuck? <laughs> yeah, she does, she's like, we, wait, we don't? That's, that's not true. <laughs> hang out with him all the time yeah he probably throws him under the bus because also he's like oh i don't think mark would do that josh on the other hand (laughs) so fucked like oh my gosh yeah i think that once again just shows how like weak of a character he is like yeah he's repulsive like everything about him like i mean this isn't the most upsetting thing in the film but i did get very upset when he forgot danny's birthday and i think Partly because you then find out they've been together for four years. Because I was willing to forgive it as like, okay, maybe they've not been together for that long. But also she says to Pele, oh, we're arriving on my birthday. Because the other thing I was thinking is maybe she's someone who doesn't celebrate birthdays or she's not that into it, but she's told his friend. And then I think Pele says to Christian about it and Christian then presents her with this random cake on a plate that he pulls out of nowhere. And he's like, oh, you didn't think I forgot, did you? I was like, hmm, you did. I know you're lying about it again. Honestly, was so happy to see him in that bear suit. <laughs> I'm so happy. I also found it really fun that he obviously couldn't move and he was just there like with his eyes blinking and you could see in his eyes this bewilderment of what is going on, but he obviously can't move and do anything to stop it. So, so. good, so good. Also very satisfying to see him in the sex scene. I think this sex scene oh is like one of the best sex scenes throughout film history. I think it's so good. Okay, let's talk about the sex yeah. scene. That's such a big moment yeah. in the film that is not just a big part of the film because they kind of build up to it with Maya like putting her pubes in his pie and her period blood <laughs> in his drink. But also it's just one of the weirder bits where I was like, what's, what's happening? What's going he on? Was, he was essentially date raped. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. I didn't think about this until the second time I watched it and I was like, yeah, I didn't pick up that he was, he's, he's, he's date raped. 
<laughs> yeah, I thought I thought about that as well. Like sort of the sort whole sexual assault bit that like him mm-hmm. being sort of lured into this. Yeah, yeah, so fascinating. Because obviously, like the whole like menstrual blood uh, pubes thing. I that obviously I think that's them like weaving a spell. But I don't know whether in the film that kind of magic is meant to work. But he also is given like a drink yeah. beforehand, isn't he? That he then. There obviously was some kind of drug in it. But I think also, I think Pelle obviously has briefed this commune on these characters. And I think mm. he he knows that Christian wants to get out of this relationship. And he knows that he wants to probably sleep with other girls. Uh, mm. So I think that makes him also like an easy prey. And I think that's what why they targeted him to be sort of the mm. impregnator. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the sperm giver. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, because yeah. he would be like, I guess, receptible to that kind of seduction or whatever, uh, because he was looking to get out of that relationship, uh, and he mm. is like the shittiest person ever. Wouldn't take much. Exactly. <laughs> I think when I first watched it, it didn't even cross my mind that he'd. I I didn't really notice the bit with the pubes and the menstrual blood and the tapestries that show like what's meant to happen, or didn't really think about the fact that he'd been drugged. I was just like, of course, there he is. <laughs> off to have sex with that girl, doesn't care about Danny. And then the second time I was like, oh, I think they have actually. God, it's so weird. It's so strange. Like, the most, un- like, I had such weird dreams last <gasps> week when I watched too. it again. I had, like, this, yeah, not a fun sex dream. <laughs> <laughs> Some kind of relation to that scene. I was like, this yeah. is... It's very intense. It's very intense. But also, I guess, speaking of bodies, just in general, mm. uh, I think that is interesting with the sex scene because I think it's very rare to see that range of different female bodies on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yes. And like, you know, like saggy boobs and like, yeah, tummies yeah, like, and yeah. full on naked, like pubes and just like, it's so raw and mm. so like real. Like, it's, mm-hmm. ju- it's just like how how women look like and I find that also so interesting that they just put that in there so okay so I think it's interesting because I I think the women we see earlier in the film we don't see that I don't I don't feel like we see these like older women that much we see no we don't we see Siv which is like you know the main character with the headband but then not and then the other woman that's like doing the procedures and stuff but it's it's very heavily focused on like these beautiful women like the young ones yeah the fertile ones exactly yeah and I think that is sort of from the boys perspective because that's what they see Mm. and then when your, they, when Christian enters this barn and all these like women are there and like they're all like so different from like the women that we previously have seen in the film I just thought that was such an interesting take mm-hmm. on like perspective and like how that's being like viewed but very good can I admit something very anti-feminist to you both yes when I first saw it I felt a bit disgusted by some of the bodies and then felt horrified I think because we were seeing a lot of elderly women in a sexual context my initial reaction was disgust and then I felt horrified that that was my initial reaction and then really angry that we obviously don't get to see a range of bodies and we're so used to just seeing this one type of naked body on film and in like in porn and just generally yeah and yeah, so I went from like disgust to horror and shame and then anger in a very quick. But I think succession. that I think that's interesting because I think that how that's how most people would react like to that mm. scene, but I I don't necessarily know if it's the the bodies themselves I think is also the situation and how they're sort of how the scene is lit like with this very harsh mm. light on them and they look they they stand there and it looks no, so it is. Exactly. Like changing room lighting. Exactly, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) There was a lot in the film that was kind of um, a communal grieving and communal emotion sharing that I only picked up in the second time around. When there's the scene that after Danny sees Christian having sex with this girl, because I think she is only 15, 16? Yeah. Um, like she's just past legal age, I think, hasn't she? Yeah, she's a big league, as Pella points out, which means you're allowed to have sex. So yeah, so Danny sees Christine having sex with this girl and like all of these people surrounding him and making all the noises. And then she 
reacts quite violently I guess like her body her physical reaction to it she throws up and she starts like making all of these sort of guttural noises and screaming and then this group of women that are with her join in and it's I actually although it feels quite weird because we're not used to it part of me really liked it that she wasn't going through that grief of seeing her boyfriend with another woman and losing that last person that she trusted she wasn't going through that on her own all of those women were there like going through those emotions with her and I really liked that and you see that a bit throughout the film as well yeah I think that is part of their like this commune almost being like an organism that like works Mm. together and they share everything like they they sleep together in the same room like they they take care of the children together like they have this Mm. sort of communal child care and then they grieve together they celebrate together like they do everything together yeah when the thing's on fire they're like screaming like the people that have sacrificed themselves aren't they exactly yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like there might have been a scene earlier on, but I can't think. It's interesting. Oh, I know. I think it's when the old man jumps off the cliff and doesn't die straight away. And it's like making noises of pain. And then that's when the group watching start making noises. Because when the woman jumped off and died instantly, it was silent. That was an interesting scene. Oh my God, it was so graphic. I I quite like gore though. It was good gore. Yeah. It was very well done. But like, It was very... <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel like if you compare that, th- that scene to like other gory horror films, I feel like mm. this one was so much more brutal because yeah, it just it comes brutal. out of nowhere. Like, and it's just like, it's just there. Yeah. And it's like yeah. head wide open. And it's just, yeah. oh, it's, mm-hmm. it's... Yeah, that bit where the, the kind of mallet thing just smushes his head in. And it's just in slow-mo see. and you can hear the sounds. It's like, yeah. oh, Like a paper mache, like, balloon just crushes. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. And, it's such <laughs> and then you see them wheeled out when they're brought to the fire. And he's like, oh, there they are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it's such, a, like, it's a, such an interesting contrast to, like, this very serene, like, beautiful environment. Yeah. That very, like, brutal, brutal... Um, goriness yeah. one of my favorite things about the film is that very it's very aesthetically pleasing like mm. all of the outfits are really good yeah. and the painting on all of the buildings and it's beautiful obviously the landscape it was beautiful yeah mm. and the cinematography is amazing yeah, it's so it, is, good. it was better seeing unsurprisingly seeing it in the cinema was amazing yeah oh really like it was it was just even more overwhelming almost though as well mm. like with the sound and everything like mm. came out of the cinema like what on earth like basically <laughs> yeah. silence with my friend like we what? didn't know what to say and there's mm-hmm. also so many interesting things they've done like you know in the scene where they're in the car and the camera first like yes. follows the car and then it sort of turns it around goes upside down it goes yeah, upside amazing. down mm-hmm. and i think that is also such a good sort of i guess it's like a metaphor for like going into the surreal world where everything yeah. is like upside down and weird uh, and then it like goes back i yeah it's yeah. So, so clever and so mm. beautiful yeah that's some really the, one of the other shots i really liked is when christian is meeting with one of the elders and she's asking him like what he thinks of Maya and when they sit down the camera like moves down with them um and the way the camera sort of face on and I don't know the technical terms of film but I liked it it was nice the framing (laughs) maybe oh yeah the way it was framed yeah and then they moved the framing down very smoothly as the characters were sitting down and it was just a really nice it was I liked it yeah it was nice yeah it pleased my brain I was like ooh, yeah what a lovely camera move delightful that is also a fun thing with the sitting down thing because that is sort of occurring throughout the film like that everyone Mm. have to be present until everyone sits down and it's Mm. also like such an effective way of like establishing that scene like now we're here now we're sitting down and now it begins like when they Mm -hmm. start doing the activity if it's like eating or whatever one of the things that i really enjoyed about the film is the a lot of the clothes that florence Pugh is put in um felt very practical and Mm. functional and made sense for the trip that she was going on i wrote about that character but she's yeah but then I was like, but she's still like gorgeous, very fit. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's not, I don't think it's pushing beauty standards that much. 
Yeah. No, but it was nice to see. Yeah, she wasn't like she wasn't didn't really seem to be wearing makeup. No, I think I mean I'm assuming there was someone for like stopping sweating and stuff and shine, but there was no discernible makeup on her. Or I think any of the female characters, except for after Maya has had sex, she's then wearing like red lipstick. Oh, yeah. and, um, which was interesting. That's probably because she's then maybe pregnant mm. to symbolize yeah her. i mean she did say she can feel the baby yeah <laughs> like a minute after <laughs> yeah. i can feel it i can feel the baby okay maya cool <laughs> um so that felt really nice because well like florence Pugh is beautiful but i felt like i could relate to her in yeah. the film in that she seems like a normal woman who's just going mm. on like a trip in her summer holidays yeah, from I uni. So. She's just wearing all these like baggy loose fitting clothing so she can be comfortable and like it made a lot of sense yeah. what she was wearing and she hasn't bothered to bring all her makeup and Exactly. She had like appropriate clothing for what she was actually doing. Like she was mm-hmm. a student, she probably like was on a student budget. She had like yeah. old like sacky like yeah. sweatpants and yeah. mm. I think yeah it's, it's very sort of fitting for her character to mm. have that kind of yeah and also outfit. I think given what she's going through and grief grief wise it would have been jarring I think to see her like really dolled up and yeah. presentable because I can imagine that that's not like I know for me going through grief that's not often how you feel. You don't want to be looking sexy or you're just trying to get through the day. And the idea of then like making yourself up or whatever is that's a lot. So it made sense that she, even when she goes to the party, she's, she's still wearing quite loose fitting baggy clothing. Um, and I, I don't think there was, it didn't look like any makeup, which made a lot of sense to me. Definitely. There were also no high heels. I don't think in the film. no, I'd noticed that they were all wearing flats. It's like flats, flats, flats. Cool, cool, cool. Or bare, just, bare feet. Yes, there was a lot of bare feet as well, which I liked. I think Danny's uh, sort of story arc is quite interesting mm. because she starts mm. off as a very passive character mm. and being sort of she just tags along with whatever happens and it, she doesn't really uh, she doesn't really make any active decisions in what's happening to her, but. Mm. Like, obviously, that changes towards the end when she becomes, like, the most powerful mm. in this commune by being mm. becoming May Queen. So, like, I think that's very interesting because you don't see that that often that a character does that kind of journey from being so, mm-hmm. like, vulnerable and passive to becoming, like, very powerful. So I thought that was very interesting, like, how that sort of develops throughout the film. Oh, I think particularly for a woman as well to end up in that position of power at the end of the film over this man who's been such like he doesn't I don't think he gets a character arc he's just an asshole Mm. from like start to finish and I think actually with all of the the male characters they're all just the the boys and they start and obviously they die (laughs) at various points in the film but it felt like she was the only one who got that character arc and growth which is really cool Definitely. Very cool. I do feel a bit like the intersectional characters are not like I, if like there are characters there who aren't white and that's about it. They're not really. Also, they all die first. I made the boat. Yes. Out. Yeah. Poor Simon and Connie are just. And then Josh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Josh. I understand that obviously they're in the north of Sweden and it makes sense that it's a, it would be quite a white commune. Yeah. I feel like Josh like did have a bit more character to him. Mm. but like obviously that's not really enough it was interesting that he's he was sort of shown as being very focused and intelligent i guess he felt almost a little bit emotionless because he was so focused and driven and like all he cared about was his thesis and he didn't show any empathy towards danny at any point and then obviously he takes pictures of their sacred book after he's been told no you can't take any pictures I mean, not that anyone did anything wrong enough to get them killed, but I, I felt like Simon and Connie in particular are just shown... Oh, bless them. Just, like, obviously they reacted very negatively to the people killing themselves, but also appropriately. Yeah. I mean, I guess it felt like the film was sort of about Danny and yeah. the other characters are just the background characters who... Yeah, I guess they were sort of all there to prop up Danny. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Which is nice. 
because that isn't used a lot. And although Danny has a romantic interest in a film, which is often the case when women are in films, it did feel like the film is about her breaking free of that. Mm, yeah, definitely. As, as shown by her killing him. <laughs> and then watching and being like... <laughs> <laughs> In her big flower dress. That's like my favourite. That's honestly like one of my favourite ever scenes. Mm. First of all, when she's like pouting, like in her yeah. flower bit, <laughs> and then at the end when she's smiling. Mm. She has such a good face. Like her expressions yeah. are so insane. Face is mm. amazing. Mm. I'm really in love with Florence Pugh. Same. <laughs> really like her a lot. Um, and I, I really like that that bit at the end where she's chosen Christian to be sacrificed and then she's smiling as she's watching him burn. I like that she's in this super feminine floral outfit as well. Yeah. and that Because, again, I think often in films you will see women are maybe shown as, like, if they get to do cool things, they're more tomboyish or masculine. And it was fun that you got to see her, like... It's not great that she's <laughs> sacrificed her boyfriend, but I guess yeah. at that point someone was going to die. I, I don't know how you'd get out of that whole situation, but it's obviously not a nice thing that she's done. And to then be happy about it and to show that while she's in this super feminine outfit and she's the May Queen, and I liked that it sort of heightened that moment a bit more for mm, me. Definitely. Because I guess that's probably the most feminine she, she get actually, ooh, she gets more feminine in terms of her outfits as the film goes on. She then, she starts wearing the um, the outfits that the other women in the commune are yeah, wearing for the, the The women in the commune do dress quite like it's very feminine, isn't it? But mm. that, even a lot of the guys were wearing dresses as well. Yeah. Yeah, and they were decorated the outfits as well in a very similar yeah. way. But it was interesting that I guess the further she got away from Christian and her old life, the more yeah. like, she flowered, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, so. I spoke about it a bit earlier. Like, I did the sort of stereotypes of her being like a doormat and just mm. none of his friends liking her, but that's obviously all part of it and it mm. makes the end of it better. Yeah, it might make more men and their friends be nicer to their friends' girlfriends and their girlfriends, <laughs> particularly if they have a trip to Sweden planned. <laughs> <laughs> they will burn in a <laughs> <laughs> You will get burnt in a barn. <laughs> Just so you know. So how do we feel in terms of rating this film? So if we have a look at the feminist aspects and just take the female characters, out of five, what are we thinking rating-wise? I think pretty high. Like, I, yeah. I was thinking about this a lot. And since it's, like, she's the main character, it's about her, like, taking power from being sort of oppressed and, like, being mm-hmm. the vulnerable one. I feel like it is feminist. Mm. Yeah. That's just my initial gut feeling. I think anything where a woman burns her boyfriend to death in a bedsuit <laughs> is always going to be... <laughs> 100%. We've just lost all of our male listeners. <laughs> We're like, oh my god, they're those kind of man-hating feminists. No, I wasn't sure at first, but yeah, I have spoke about it. I have thought about it a bit more, and yeah, it's it's very feminist. I'd say, like, mm. she succeeds in a random in a roundabout way. She yeah. like grows as a person, and she and it is just the fact that it's the May Queen, like they're mm. honoring like the women and. It does feel like in the commune, like they're pretty equal, like women and men. It feels like it's quite, there's a lot of equality mm-hmm. and they want a queen, they want a woman to like lord over. Yeah, and like all of the kind of fertility bits as well, it did feel like it was quite female yeah. driven. There wasn't like a ritual celebrating a May King or a man's yeah, fertility. Yeah, all the women around the sex scene and mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I'd give it. I was going to say three and a half, but I would say yeah, four. Yeah, I was thinking of four. I, w- I would say four. Okay, cool. So I'll give it a four for feminists. That's pretty good. I think Jurassic Park also got four. What? I okay, I'd say this is more feminist than Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> all of those dinosaurs are women. They True. eat all of the men. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did wonder whether as time goes on and we 
do these episodes whether I would look back on the first one and be like oh so generous (laughs) (laughs) with that film so yeah for the intersectional there's there's only the three characters who all get killed quite early on and I, I don't feel like they play a huge role in the film no and they don't talk to each other that much they don't interact no. yeah so maybe just a one it's like a, you've, you've got characters there who aren't white good job yeah <laughs> okay so that means this film got a five overall out of ten which is always upsetting to be like oh it's only a five out of ten but i think there are so many films that we're going to talk about that are going to score really high in feminist yeah. points but then when it comes to the intersectional side. Mm. that's missing and I I think that just shows like how much further film needs to go to actually like Mm. progress yeah definitely thinking about like like having casts that are not white like in this sense it probably made sense to have like the the commune predominantly white because mm-hmm. that was just the, the the nature of that area I guess but I feel like the Americans that went over they could have costed a more diverse cost for that group of friends yeah yeah they d- didn't all need to be white I, I, they didn't say at any point where in America they are I don't think did they no no because it was quite ambiguous because the film opens with shots of what I'm assuming is Sweden and then you see yeah. Danny in her room and obviously they get in a plane and from their accents like I, and that they say they're Americans, I was like, well, I guess they're somewhere in America, but they, I don't think they ever say where in America they are. No. Because I guess it would make some difference if they're, well, no, because they're at university, so they're not going to be like in the middle of nowhere in America. No, it's probably a fairly big city. Yeah, that would, wouldn't just be populated <laughs> by white people. <laughs> okay, so Midsommar gets five out of ten, but I think rated feminist safe film. It's definitely one that I think people wouldn't be offended by. Like, there's no blackface. Good job, Ariasta. That's always nice not to see that in a film. So yes, I I think this is a good one to watch, unless you're very squeamish. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but it's also hilarious. It's a very funny film. Yeah. Like, is it? It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> I. <laughs> I laugh so much. Oh, Sandra I found it really funny as well, actually. And she's my other Swedish friend. So maybe there's something I missed in a... But I think it's also... Yeah, I think it's that thing. Because obviously you don't get the Swedish parts of it. But mm. I would. So I think it's just like how they speak. And like it's just something that is just a bit ridiculous about this whole thing. That just makes me laugh a lot. <laughs> I did like the bit where they're tripping on the hill and yeah. the Swedish guy walks past and is like, hi, hi. Yeah. <laughs> Just... She's like, no! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't find it that funny. The bits <laughs> I did find funny were, I think, when Mark was... Um, just like, freaking out about like the flies and the bugs and when they were talking about the lime and they were like, oh, actually, there is quite a big live problem in Sweden he's like what yeah. <laughs> what do you mean I was like yeah yeah no problem. so good Thanks for listening, feminist friends. And thank you again to Gina and Hedvig for joining me today. If you want to get involved in the chats, then you can find us at Real Feminism on Facebook and Instagram, real spelt R-E-E-L. And we'll be back in your ears in two weeks' time where we'll be discussing Bend It Like Beckham. Woohoo! See you then. Bye. 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 Bye.